Okay, today's daf is Nidarim daf Nun Vav, the last daf we're going to do up here in Camp Kaley. Today's, uh, we're, we're going to have a series of Mishnahis that are all about if a person takes a neder from one thing or other things, in, what exactly is included in that neder. So first, the mission is going to talk about a person takes a neder from a bias. So is the top floor of the house also included in the neder, or does it only include the ground floor? That's going to be a machlokas. Gemara is going to try to bring a raya from other places where bias may or may not, specifically by Neged Sarah, us, whether bias may or may not include the top floor. Then the mission in the middle of Amad Aleph is going to have a machlokas, whether when a person takes a nether from a bed, from a mita, is a dargesh included in that nether? What is a dargesh? So that's two opinions in the Gemara, what a dargesh is. The first opinion in the Gemara is going to have three questions on it, and we're going to get into different areas of halacha, avelus, and the like, when it comes to determining those three questions, when it comes to figuring out those three questions on that first approach. But the second approach is going to appear on Amun Beis, and then the mission in the middle of Amun Beis, the mission is going to talk about two different cases of Nidarim. A person takes a neder from a city, so does that include the Tchum and the Ibur of the city? And a person takes a neder from a bias, does that include the threshold of the house as well? Is the threshold considered to be inside the house or outside the house? And there too we're going to bring a raya from the case of Tzara'as, when it comes to Nigeid Batim, whether the threshold is considered to be in inside of the house or outside of the house with regard to Nigei Batim. So let us begin at the Mishnah Nun Vav Amaral. If a person takes a nether from a house, Mutter Ba'aliyah Divra Meir. A mayor holds that it does, the nether does not include the aliyah, it does not include the top floor, and therefore it is Mutter for him to go to, to use the top floor of the house. But the Chachamim Omrim Aliyah Bechlal Abayis. The Chacham say no. The top floor is still considered to be part of the house. Hanod Min Aliyah Mutter Bebayis. But if this person takes a neder from the aliyah, well then for sure that does not mean to include the bias as well. It only includes the aliyah, and he is mutter to use the bottom floor, he's mutter to use the house. So says Mantana, who's the author of the following brysa, where the brysa elaborates on the psukim that describe a negatsaras that a person finds on a house. And the Pasuk says, when you find a negatsaras, it's a negatsaras beves eretz achuzaschem. So we're specifically highlighting the word beves. And we're darshaning that mantan, who's the author of the Bible, that darshans the following. Beves l'rabos has yetziah, beves l'rabos has ha'aliyah, that the word beves comes to tell me that even if you find the negatsaras on a painted part of the house, not just on a wall, but on part of the wall that's already been painted, or you find the negatsaras on the top floor of the house, on the aliyah, not on the ground floor, so how, so that's how do we know that's also negatsaras? Because the word beves comes to tell me that that's also included in the halach of negatsaras. Amrav Chista, who's the author of that? Brisa, Rameir, he must be Rabbi Meir. Why must it be Rabbi Meir? Because remember, Rabbi Meir in our Mishnah said that if a person takes a neder from the bias, only the ground floor counts as the bias. The top floor does not count as part of the bias. Because the Rabbanan, if we were to assume like the Rabbanan, that whenever you take a nether from a bias, the top floor is also counted as part of the bias. The Rabbanan said the aliyah, the top floor, is part of the bias. Well then, why would I need an extra word in the Pasuk to tell me that a negatsaras on the top floor also counts? Of course it counts. It's considered part of the bias. But according to Rabbi Meir, I understand why I need 
need a drasha. According to Rameyer, when you say bevayis, when you say bayis, it normally doesn't include the top floor. So I need a special word, bevayis, to come and tell me that even the top floor is included. So it must be that that's going like shitas Rabbi Meir. Says the Gemara, no. Abayi will say that it's even going like the shita of the Rabbanan. You know why you need a pasuk to tell me that the aliyah is included, even though normally, according to the Rabbanon, the aliyah is always included? Because one might have thought, since the pasuk doesn't just say, it says, it says, so, that phrase, implies that we're not talking about anything that's, that's, that's halachically defined as a house, we're talking about specifically something that's a grounded house, that's a base Eretz, it's a house of Eretz. So the Mechaber Ba'aras Shmei Bayis. So maybe in the laws of Tzaras, one might have thought that only that which is connected to the ground, that which is on the ground floor, is considered a bias. But Aliyah Halamuchaber Ba'ara, but the top floor is not connected to the ground and therefore wouldn't qualify as a base Eretz. That's why I need an extra drasha to tell me that the Aliyah is also included in the Negat Tzaras. Kimana, so that's one price so that we thought we could lock in specifically to Shitas Rab Meir, but the Gemara said, no, it's even going like the Rabbanan, and we need a drasha to specifically include the Aliyah in that price up because had we not had that drasha, we would have darshaned base Eretz to tell me that in specifically with the laws of Tsaras, only the ground floor would be called the bias. Now we have another statement to try to attribute to somebody. When Rav Huna Barchia says in the name of Ula the following, who is he going like? He says the following halacha. A person is selling a house. And he says, not just I'm selling you a house, but he says, a house amongst my houses. A house in my house I am selling you. So he's allowed to give him a top floor. He doesn't have to give him a bottom floor, a ground floor. But it's only because he said bayis bevesi that he's allowed to give him a top floor. It's only because he said a house in my house I'm selling to you. But if you were to just say I'm selling you a house, well then he cannot show him a top floor. So who's the author of such a brisa? That must be going like Rameir, because Rameir holds that when you say a when you just say bias, it means only a ground floor and not a top floor. And Aliyah is not bichal bias. And you see, this is saying the same thing. That had the guy just said, I'm selling you bias, he would have had to show him only a ground floor. It's only because he said bias shebebesi that we allow him to show a top floor and to give that to him and say, that's what I really meant to sell you. So you see, it's going like Rameir. According to the Rabbanan, even if you just say bias stam, you'd be allowed to show him a top floor. So it says, Marnaf. Maybe really this is going like the Rabbanan. My Aliyah, over here Aliyah doesn't mean a top floor. Aliyah means the best, the best house that he has. So what's this halach about? It's not about what the seller is allowed to give to the buyer and say this is what I meant to sell you. It's about what the seller must give to the buyer. And what we're saying
saying over here is, had the seller told the buyer, what does he mean when he says, the house amongst houses, the house amongst all my houses? He must mean the best of my houses I'm selling you. And therefore, he has to show him the Aliyah, he has to show him the Mu'ula Shebebatim, the best of his houses, and give that as part of the sale. But had he just said, if he just would have said, I'm selling you a house, well then he would nothing would have forced him to give him the best of his houses. He could have given him any old house if he just would have said, that's the halacha that Rav is talking about, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with whether an aliyah is bechal bayis, whether a top floor counts as part of a house or not, because we're not even talking about a top floor. We're talking about a mu'ula, shebebatim, we're talking about the finest, the choicest of all of his houses, and it has nothing to do with a top floor. Good, no Mishnah. Hanodimanamita, a person takes a nether from a bed, mutter bedargesh. He's allowed to get hanar from a dargesh. Now, dargesh is a term the Gemara is going to have two explanations of what it means, but apparently, in some way, it's similar to a bed. So, a person took a nether from a bed, the dargesh is not included. Divremer, that's Remer's opinion. The Chum disagree, and they say that a dargesh is included in mita. Hanodimanadargesh, but if a person takes a nether from a dargesh, mutter bamita, he is allowed to get enough from a bed, because clearly when you use the term dargish, you don't mean bed, you mean only a dargish. The question is, when you use the term mita, do you also mean dargish? That's the machlokas tanaim in our Mishnah. So says Gemara, my dargish. First thing we need to know in order to understand this Mishnah is just to touch the words. What does dargish mean? First opinion is Amar Ula. First opinion is going to be here on Amar Al. Second opinion is going to be on Amar Beis because we have three questions on the first opinion. First opinion Amar Ula. Arsa degada. A dargish is an arsa degada. What is an arsa degada? So the Mefarish writes over here, Mita Adam It's a bed that they make specifically for mazel. They set it up for good luck, but no one actually sleeps on it. It's just a mita, it's just a bed that they, they happen to set up just for, uh, for good luck. They set up such a bed. That's how the Mefarish writes over here. And that's how the Ran writes over here, and that's how Rishonim writes throughout Shas. That's how Rashi writes in Moed Katan, and Rashi writes in Masech Sanadrin, that it's a mita that they did just for mazel of the house, but they didn't actually use it for anything. So the Kasha that the Rishonim are already bothered by, the Shita Mukvetas, and the Ran in Masech Sanhedrin Davchav, are bothered by the Kasha that uh, they, the, the, someone who sets aside a special bed just for mazel um, is, is, uh, is a violation of the Chorah of Los Enachshu. Supposed to uh, do things that are hebejibi, that are uh, you know just for good luck. There's no such thing for the Jewish people. So what does that mean? How is a person allowed to set up such a bed? Not only that, it's also a minaga akum that they would uh, they would set up a table specifically for uh, for mazel purposes. There was a certain mazel that was called gad, and they would set up a uh, shulchan and bring karbanos, and that was uh, darke amori. So why isn't this a violation of the same thing? So the Rishonim answer that they would. Do it that that they would do it for the cover of a sar who's mamuna alashirus and it's uh, and and it's considered the cover of the ribonoshalom to honor the sarim of the ribonoshalom. What does that mean? It means that apparently there was a certain type of malach that Hakadosh Baruch Hu appointed over uh, overseeing our ashirus, and as a way of being mechabed that malach, the, uh, being mechabed that malach is a way of being mechabed the ribonoshalom. Now that's a very major statement because that's saying that we're allowed to interact with malach. 
Malachim as a way of reaching out to the Ribbono Shalom. Normally we consider ourselves privileged enough to be able to bypass the Malachim to go straight to the Ribbono Shalom. And it's a question, like you're not allowed to, there's a question, major question on the Poskim, whether you're allowed to daven to Malachim. That's why Machnise Rachamim is a tefillah that many people skip in the Slichos because it's a, we're, we're entreating the Malachim. So these, these Rishonim seem to assume that reaching out to the Malach, at least not in tefillah, but in setting up this bed, which is a way of uh, serving this Malach, is okay. Or, another possibility the Rishonim say, which maybe is a little more pal- palatable to us, is that they would have this extra bed that is beyond the amount of people in the house that actually needed to use beds as a simon of Ashirus. Because what's the ultimate simon of Ashirus? To show that I have more than I need. So if, let's say, you have uh, a husband, wife, five children, you have seven people living in the house, so they set up an eighth bed just to show, look, we have more than we need. And that was a, uh, that, and, and that was a way of showing that, uh, that, that we have plenty. So that's a, uh, that it doesn't really mean from mazel, it's a borrowed expression when we say that it's, uh, that it's a mita of mazel. It's really just a simon rather than, than for, for mazel. Um, it's a kavod for the, for the people who live in the house. In the chuvas of the Ridvaz, Yerdea, Chelechas, um, Chavav, he writes that you can say that it's not called nichosh, it's a simon to be mechazik the mazel, like the Gemara says in Shabbat Samazayin and Beis, which means that uh, if you're mechazik my mazel, then it won't be a tired mazel. So over here also, to be mechazik the mazel, not to be menachish, you're allowed to do such a thing. That's what the Ad Ramah writes in Masech Sanhedrin as well, that when it's only a problem of, uh, of, of the mazel, when your kavana is for avodazara, that's when it's going to be asr. Otherwise, it's not going to be asr. In fact, the Ramah in Yerodeh, in Simon Kufay and Ches, where it talks about Darkei Amori and Chukas Akum, the Ramah writes He writes that there were certain places where they would set up a table with food the night before Brismila, and he says that's an Isr, it's a violation of setting a table for this muzzle of God. But he says to set up a bed, that's mutter, Yesh Matirin. So the Taz explains that the Ramah does not allow setting up a table because because that's what the, the Ode Chavim used to do, and that's considered Dark Amori. But a bed is different. A bed, he, uh, he held his mutter, because that was not from the Dark Amori. So anyway, the first opinion, Ula's opinion back in the Gemara over here, is that a Dargesh is a special good luck bed. So the Gemara has three problems with this. Problem number one, Amulei Rabbanan Ula, the Rabbanan said to Ula, and we have a Mishnah that appears in Masechus Moed Katan, also Masechus Sanhedrin, Masechus Moed Katan primarily, Kshem Mavrinosa, that when they would give a suda's havra to the avel, the Allah is the first suda that an avel eats, he's not allowed to eat from his own food. It has to be provided for by the community. So when the community would provide the avel with the suda's havra, everyone else would sit on the ground and he would sit on a dargish. Well, wait a second. If a dargish means a bed that was set up for good luck, the whole rest of the year the guy wouldn't sit on this uh, on this thing on this on this bed on this dargish. And now when he's an 
Avel, all of a sudden he's going to sit on the Dargish? How does it make sense that a Dargish is a good luck bed? Why would it be used specifically by an Avel when it's never ever used throughout the rest of the year? Answers the Gemara, Mask of the Ravina. Why is that so strange? Ravina asks. It should be just like meat and wine. The Kulashasi by Yachli by Loachil. How Yoma and Yavinunle. Meat and wine also. The whole rest of the year, a person could choose to eat meat and drink wine or not to eat meat and drink wine. But on the day of Avelis, when a person is an Avel, he has no choice. He has to eat meat and drink wine. So it's not so strange that we have a thing where we elevate the person in Avelis. That when the person is an Avel, he enjoys one more benefit, one more Hana'a than he normally enjoys. Just like the, uh, the Halacha by meat and wine is that when he's an Avel, he has to eat meat and drink wine. So too, when it comes to the Dargish, even though normally he doesn't use it, when he's an Avel, he has to use it. Now it sounds from this Gemara, it's a very startling comment that there's a chiyuv for an avel to eat meat and drink wine at the suudas havra. That's the uh, that, that's the way it clearly appears in all girsos in mesechas and darim daf nunvav in today's daf. But the same gemara appears in Ma'ikat and daf chavzayin amid aleph. And over there, there's a different girsa. And the girsa in Sanhedrin daf chav is like the girsa in Ma'ikat, where it says na midahava basar v'yayin that it's just like meat and wine, where a person could choose to eat or and drink. Uh, uh, those items throughout the year, but when he's an Avel, he has no choice. No, it doesn't say that. Rather, the girsa is that just like eating and drinking, that throughout the rest of the year, he doesn't have to. We don't give him to eat and we don't give him to drink, but we give him the extra covered of giving him to eat and giving him to drink. It would turn out, according to that girsa, that there is no chiyuv of meat and wine specifically for an Avel. The chiyuv is that we have to feed him and that he's not supposed to eat his own food, but not that there's a chiv specifically of meat and wine. In Agos Maimonios, in Hilchus Avel, Parakzayin Alachavav, he's medayit from the Lashon of our Gemara, that Avel Taka does have to eat meat and drink wine. The Beis Yosef in Yardes Simen Shinai and Ches quotes this Agos Maimonios and he points out that in Yerushalmi it sounds not that way. The Yerushalmi sounds like an Avel specifically shouldn't eat meat because it says in the Yerushalmi, Im Avelim Atem, Loma Achaltem Basav Sisam Yayin. The Yerushalmi has an expression, if you're Avelim, well then why are you eating meat and drinking wine? Sounds like an Avel is not supposed to eat meat and drink wine. But the Beis Yosef writes that Yerushalmi is not a riot to anything, because when the Yerushalmi says Avelim Atem, it doesn't mean Avelim, it means Onanim. And the halach is that an Onan is not allowed to eat meat and drink wine, but an Avel is not only allowed to eat meat and drink wine, but according to our Gemara, is supposed to, is Mechuyuv to eat meat and drink wine during the Su'udas Havra'ah. On the side of the Shulchan Aruch, in Yardesh, is a commentary called the Beis Hillel, where he writes that drinking wine for an Avel is a mitzvah, and really that's no surprise, because the Gemara says in Erevin Daf Samach Vav, Lo nivra yayin elo that wine was only created for the purpose of being Menachem Avelim. In fact, if a person is a Nazir and he becomes an Avel, he's allowed to drink wine, just like he's allowed to drink Kedishan Havdalah wine, because it's considered a yayin shal mitzvah. So wine is there for Nichem Avelim. The Gemara is at the beginning of Masech Suvis described how originally they were massacring ten kosos of wine in a base Avel. It didn't work out so well because people would get uh, would get drunk and it would get inappropriate. So they had to scale back on the wine. But the very notion that wine is meant for an Avel is certainly something that has strong bases, which which.
which really brings us to today's Tafiyomi coincidence. Here we are in the nine days, and we don't eat meat, and we don't drink wine during the nine days. Now, everything else we do during the three weeks, the nine days, the Shemosh Chabot Tishbav, Tishbav itself, reflects a certain sense of Avelos, sitting on the floor, and then not wearing tefillin for Shachris on Tishbav, and the, uh, the not laundering, and then not, and then no, no dancing and music, and then no, uh, um, you know, all of the things that we, and no getting haircuts and shaving, all of the things that we do during this time period are all an exact reflection of Avelis. They all match the halachas of Avelis perfectly. But there's one giant exception, and that is meat and wine. The halacha is that an Avel, according to our Gemara, must eat meat and drink wine. It's specifically appropriate for him to have meat and wine. Yet when it comes to in the nine days, we specifically don't eat meat and drink wine. Why the difference? Why do we not eat meat and drink wine? So I always thought, I was always under the impression that it re- relates to the Gemara at the end of the third parak of Masech's Babasa, where the Gemara says in the generation of the Churban, they weren't sure how to react. So their initial reaction was, let's never eat meat and never drink wine ever again. And that should be their, uh, that, that because of the meat that was brought on the Mizbech, Carbonos and the wine that was brought from the Nisachayayin, for the libations on the Mizbech. So they said, that's it. It reminds us too much of the Mizbech, so we're not going to eat meat and drink wine. Why should we be able to eat meat and drink wine when the Mizbech doesn't get to eat meat and drink wine, when Baruch doesn't get to eat meat and drink wine? And the Gemara says, that was the original Takana. But then they said, uh, I forgot who it was, I think maybe Rabbi Shua said to them, what are you doing? Meaning, if you're going to make such a Takana, it makes a lot of sense, but then you also shouldn't be able to eat bread, because there was a carbon mincha, carbon mincha was made out of bread. So he said, you're right, we're not going to eat bread. He said, yeah, but then you shouldn't be able to eat fruits because the Bikurim was brought from fruits. They said, you're right, that's okay, we won't eat fruits, we'll eat the other, uh, the, the Bikurim was only from the Shiva Saminim. So we'll eat other fruits, we'll eat apples, oranges, we'll be fine. So he said, yeah, but then, if you're going to keep follow this through, you shouldn't be able to drink water, because the water was brought uh, for Nisa Chamayim on Sukkot. And they said, Ayveh, what are we going to do now? You can't not eat water. We can't not have bread, not have water, not have meat, not have wine, not have this uh, design meaning. It's going to be crazy. We're not going to be able to survive. So he said, so what should we do? So he said, okay, you shouldn't make a gzer and ne- never teach me to drink wine. What you should do is make a zecher l'churban. How do you make a zecher l'churban? When you build a house, leave an amabai and off. When a woman sets up her tachshitin, leave one tachshit off. When you set it table, leave a little bit off. You make small things as a zechel churban, but you don't just swear off meat and wine forever. But you see the original hava mina, the original takana, was to get rid of meat and wine. So I always assumed that the meat and wine is not a din of avelus, it's a din of zechel churban. That that, that's what they initially wanted to do as a zechel churban, to cut out meat and drink wine. But I, uh, I, I saw, I think it was from... Uh, I forgot where I saw who I saw the name of. But I saw in the Sefer Nechamas Yisrael, in the to the Sefer Nechamas Yisrael, he suggests, no, the meat and wine thing is a different idea. Why is it that an Avil is supposed to eat meat and drink wine? Because like the Gemara Nerevin says, The point of meat and wine is to provide Nechama for the Avel. The Avoda of Shiva is to give the Avel Nechama. While he's in Onain, he's not allowed to eat meat and drink wine. Why? Because there's not supposed to be Nechama while you're in Onein. Nechama only begins when a person is an Avel. That's why it's somewhat objectionable that by funerals nowadays, at least in the five towns, the Minigas become that before they begin the funeral, the family sits in like a waiting room and people come and are already Menachim them before the funeral. That's against the Allah. The Allah is there's no Nechama Avelim before the funeral. That's why an Avel doesn't eat meat and drink wine. Meat and wine are foods of Nechama Avelim. And it's not a time of Nechama. So when we're observing the, the, the 
laws of the nine days, we're not observing laws of uh, Shiva in the conventional sense, where we're, or laws of Shloshim in the conventional sense, where we're trying to achieve Nechama, Adraba, we're working up toward a sense of Avelus, where we're specifically not trying to achieve Nechama. So we withhold from ourselves meat and wine, the foods of Nechama. That's the Chor of the Pshat, and meat and wine relates to Nechama, and that's why we don't have meat and wine during this, uh, this period of the, of the year. Now, this din of Suda Savra just bears mentioning a little bit. The post can argue what the reason is for the for Suda Savra in the first place. The associate quotes from Ben Yeruchim that since the Avel is worried about his mace, he doesn't eat at all and he's, he doesn't feel like eating, so we have to bring him food to sort of encourage him to eat. The Lvush says it's the din of Nichum Avelim to show him that, uh, that we're with him in his Sarah and that we're not leaving him to be an Avel. I want to start from Shakti that this discussion, whether it's a din in Nichum Avelim or it's just a din in Avel Asalachal Mishalo, but it's not a din in Nichem Avel, it's just that he's not allowed to eat his own food, that it's almost like a, uh, a way of us encouraging him to eat something, or maybe uh, um, not, not encouraging him not to have a Hashadas from his Avelis in preparing food, that he should have food already prepared for him. Lachar, there would be enough Kamina. A lot of times when people, when the Chavar Kadisha wants to provide the Avel with the Suda Savra, the easiest time to drop it off at the house is before they go to the funeral, before they actually have the funeral or while the family's out at the funeral before they actually have a din of Avelim. So if it's a din of Nichm Avelim, you shouldn't drop it off until they're actually Avelim, because like we just said, the Nechama only begins when they have the status of Avelim. But if it's just a din and making sure the Avel doesn't eat Mishalau, so then it's fine, then you don't have to drop it off while he's, when he actually has the status of an Avel. You should be able to drop it off whenever. You can drop it off even beforehand, as long as you see to it that the Avel is not Ochel Mishalau. Okay, so now back in the Gemara. Ella HaKasha. So the Gemara says if we're going to have a Kasha on the definition of Dargish being a good luck bed, the Kasha should be as follows. The Tanya, we have a Raisa, Dargish Lo A Dargish, even though the, there's a din called Kfiya Samita, where you have to turn all the beds over in the house, the Dargish wouldn't be turned over, it would be stood upright. But if it's just a good luck bed, the Allah is when you do Samita, you're supposed to do Samita on every bed that you have in the house. So why would Dargish be an exception to the rule? Dargish should also have a Kfiya Samita if it means just a regular bed that they happen not to use. So it says, They didn't really do Kfiya Samita on every bed in the house because when they had a de- designated bed that they would keep Kalim on, they didn't do Kfiya Samita on that bed. Now, Lach is if they have a mita that was designated specifically for Kalim, they didn't have to do Kfiyasa mita. So it could be that the Dargish means a good luck bed, and they didn't do Kfiyasa mita on it because they didn't do Kfiyasa mita on every bed. They did Kfiyasa mita not just on the Avel's bed, on the Kal Mitos Shabbatoch Abayis, but only mitos that functioned as mitos. It means that even the Avel's family, they would have to do Kfiyasa mita on their beds as well, even though they are not sitting Shiva. It's not, they're not in Avelus, but they would still have to do it. Din of Kfiyas Samita. That's actually Machlokas Rishonim. How far the din of Kfiyas Samita goes? What if no one uses the bed? What if it's a, best, a, a bed that's just used for guests? It's a guest room bed. Would you do Kfiyas Samita on that bed? We know clearly, 
Hamita Shabbatoch Abayis means the Avel's whole family has to kviyah Samita. But is that just a din that that anyone calls Shem Misablin Alav Misablin Imo? The Gemara says that anyone you would be Misabel for when they're in Avelus, you have to be Misabel together with them, and that's why the Avel's whole family has to do kviyah Samita. But uh, beds that aren't being used at all do not require kviyah Samita. That's the sheet of the Ravid, the Rosh quotes in the third Berakamayt Katan, or maybe no, maybe like the Ramban says in Torah Sabayis that uh, in Torah Sadam rather the Ramban says that kviyah Samita applies to all the beds in the house, even the beds of the guests. This is a discussion of Salvechik pointed out that kviyah Samita, the fact that it applies to all the beds in the house, shows you certainly if you assume like the Ramban that it's not a din in Avelos, it's not a din in uh, in someone practicing Avelos. Kviyah Samita is a din in the base ha'avel. That there are certain halachas that relate to the avel himself as a practice of mourning, and then there are certain halachas that relate to the base ha'avel. That that house of Avelos should have certain things that make it different than a regular house. For example, there are two din in Talmud Torah. One din in Talmud Torah is that the Avel is not allowed to learn Torah, but in addition to that, there's another din in Talmud Torah that there shouldn't be Talmud Torah in the base Ha'avel. So this din of Kfir Samita, that's where Salvechik had a problem. He didn't understand why the, where the Minna came from to learn Mishnayis in between Milcha Marv in the base Avel. Granted, the Avel's not learning, he's sitting there silently, but there's a separate sir of Talmud Torah in the base Ha'avel. And that Lechora uh, is violated when they learn Mishnayis in the base Avel between Milcha Marv. So that's uh, uh, it's taka a good kasha. Why it is that that minhag has become an accepted an accepted minhag? But you see that kfiya samita is not a din in the avel; it's a din in the base ha'avel. And nowadays we don't do kfiya samita anymore because Tosus Baliatos is ready right out uh, right that the idea of kfiya samita was to take your regular bed, turn it upside down, whereby you'll make it that it's still usable but it's less comfortable. In our beds, if we were to turn our entire bed frame upside down, it's not usable. If we were to turn just our mattress upside down. It's just as comfortable, so it doesn't accomplish anything. So our kfiya samita doesn't uh, wouldn't do anything. Therefore, we don't do kfiya samita. But the Chassam Sofa writes that we do have a partial kiyum of kfiya samita even nowadays. What's our partial kiyum of kfiya samita? There is one thing that is common to every shiva house, but does not appear anywhere in Shulchan Aruch or Poskim, and that is that we cover the mirrors in shiva houses. Chassam Sofa suggests that that maybe comes from where I think maybe Rav Salvechik suggested in the name of the Chassam. So if I think enough Sharaf Rav Shachter has this that where our covering the mirrors is our kiyum of kfiya samita. How is that a kiyum of kfiya samita? Because where do we learn that you have to do kfiya samita from? The Gemara in third parak might cut and darshins from Pasuk in Yecheskel. That Chorosh Baruch says, I've given you the divine image. I've given you Tzalem Elohim, and in your sins, you flipped the Tzalem Elohim around. So what we do is we turn the beds, which are the image of the person, the bed represents the image of the person, and we flip it around. That's the kiyum of Kfiya Samita. So says of Salvechik, the same is true. The way we show that we flipped the Tzalem Elohim around in our sins is by covering the mirrors, which expose and reveal our Tzalem and that's um, if, if that's correct though then it should turn out that the minute that many people have not really a minute but the practice that many people have in the shiva house where they hand around pictures and they show pictures this was his wedding picture this was this, this was, and they show pictures of the mace that lechora is uh, would be against this minute because this minute is to to minimize anything that reflects at selim elokim what reflects at selim elokim the image of a person more than the pictures of a person so maybe it would be a better idea not 
to hand around pictures in the base of if this whole vart is correct. I don't think we're going to change that minute. I'm just uh, saying that if to, to carry it through, if this vart were correct, then we shouldn't uh, show pictures either. Back in the Gemara, Eli'i kasha ha-kasha. So rather, if we're going to reject the definition, if we're going to reject the definition of an of, of, uh, of a dargish being in Arsa the Gadda, good luck bed, the kasha on that definition is from the following. Titania, we have a bride, that a dargish you could untie its straps and then it falls down on its own. But if a dargish is just a regular bed, does it have straps? What kind of straps does a bed have? So Kiyasa Ravin Amr Shilte Lumi Rabban Rav Tachlifa Bar Marav Shmei Tav Shkech B'Shuka Tzali. So Ravin said that. Rav Tachliva Bar Marava used to, used to be in the market of the leather salesmen, and they knew all about different types of bed. And he said, you know, my Dargish, this whole first definition of Dargish was off. Dargish does not mean just a regular bed that they set up for good luck. No, you know what a Dargish really is? Arsadetzala. A Dargish is an Arsadetzala. Some sort, sort of bed that was made, it was like a cot that was made with a leather, uh, a, a, it was made on a wooden frame and a leather, uh, a sheet of leather that you would actually rest on. That was like the, the, uh, the part that you would rest your body on. So that's, and that leather was attached to the wooden frame. That's a Dargish. Itmar Ezu Mitu Vezu Dargish. We have a statement of Amorayim that what's the difference between a Mita and a Dargish? So Rabbi Yirmiya said that mita misargnosa al gaba. When it comes to a mita, you would attach the, uh, the 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 part that's in place of a mattress that would hold the mattress around the the frame, around the wooden frame, so that the wooden frame was entirely covered. Dargish misargnosa migufo. But by a dargish, you would attach it through holes in the wooden frame, so it wouldn't cover the entire wooden frame. Meisvei, but the one asked. Could that really be true? That by a mita, the definition of a mita is where you would attach the the mattress part where you would lie on around the wooden frame and cover the wooden frame entirely. Well, if that's the case, then how does the the following mission and kelim make any sense? Kliates meimusai mekabeltuma. The mission and kelim discusses at what point is a kliates considered to be finished, uh, being made? The construction of it is finished and is therefore considered to be able to be mekabeltuma. Hamita. The mita is considered to be finished once you smear it with fish skin. Why would you smear it with fish skin? To give it a little glean, to shine it up. That's at least the sheet of the Ran, the Rambam Rashi, that would do it to shine it up. The Rash says not to take out any splinters. It was, uh, we'd smear it with fish skin to remove any splinters from the wood. But the bottom line is, vi mita mistaregis al gaba, but if a mita was made in such a way where the wooden frame was entirely covered, and no part of the wooden frame was exposed, lamali shifas aradag, why would we need to smear it with fish skin to give it a glean or to uh, take out splinters? It's totally covered anyway. So it didn't matter if it had a cleaner splinters. Ella hava hamigufa. So rather we have to change our definition. Mita does not mean something where you attach the mattress around the wooden frame. No. Both the dargish and a mita you attach it through the wooden frame. But mita a'uli va'afuke bibizni dargish a'uli va'afuke ba'avkasa The mita, the, the, the mattress would be attached directly through the wooden frame. There would be little strings that come off the mattress that tie right into the frame. But a dargish the frame had loops that came out of the frame 
and the straps would tie around, the strings that were around the mattress would tie around those loops, which themselves were, were attached to the frame, but the, 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 dargish, the uh, mattress of the Dargish was not connect, connected directly to the frame, it was only with the separation of the loops in between them. If you have a bed that has a pole sticking out in the top of the bed and the bottom of the bed, and therefore you can't uh, do a kfiya samita, so you stand it upright, and that's good enough. We pass on like Rav Shimon Gamliel said that a dargesh, you, you don't have to do kfiya samita on a dargesh, all you need to do is be matir karvitav and hunofal me'elav. You just untie its straps, and the dargesh falls down fall on, on its own. So you don't have to do an actual Kfiya Samita on a Dargish. New Mishnah now. Last Mishnah of the Daf. Hanodim in A person takes a nether from a city. Mutuli kanes l'tchumashalir, vasuli kanes li'ibura. He's allowed to go into the tchum of the city, he's just not allowed to go into the ibur of the city. Ibur of the city, the Ran says, is a 70 and two-thirds amos around the city. The tchum is 2,000 amos around the city. So when you take a nether from a city, you don't mean the whole tchum around the city as well, but you do mean the 70 and two-thirds amos that's called the ibura shalir. Avalanodim in Abayis, but if a person takes a nether from Abayis, He's not allowed to go anywhere within the threshold of that house and further in. So says Mar, first halacha first. How do I know that the ibur of a city is considered to be part of the city? Pasuk describes before the Jewish people captured Yericho, when Yoshua saw the uh, the malach with a sword in his hand and uh, that told Yoshua that you did the wrong thing by not being Osek in Torah, preparing for the night before the war, and that's why Yeshua learned that it's very important to learn Torah uh, day and night, even when it's very busy, even when you're preparing for war. So that whole episode, the positive reports happened, but what does that mean? My B'yericho. What does B'yericho mean? That it was in Yericho. If you want to say that it literally happened in Yericho, but Yericho was totally closed off, was totally locked in. It was a walled city, and this was before the walls had fallen down. So Yeshua was not in Yericho yet. Uh, you remember the story in Yeshua? They, would, they went around the city seven days in a row, one time each day, blowing the trumpets, and then they went around the seven, seven times on Shabbos, and they blew, and the walls just caved in. But prior to the walls caving in, they were never in Yericho. So it can't mean, be Yericho mamish, el What does be Yericho mean? The Ibura. must be that it was in the Ibur of the city. So you see from there that the Ibur of the city is considered part of the city. Says Gemara, yeah, but Ema filu bitchuma. How do you know that it was only in the Ibur of the city. Maybe he was in the Tchum of the city, and that also counts as part of the city. But our Mishnah said the Tchum doesn't count as part of the city. So it says, Marna, Haksiv when we describe the Tchum of a city, the Pasuk describes, Umadosem Michutzl ear. You should do the measuring outside the city, 2,000 Amos. So you see that the 2,000 Amos is considered to be outside of the city, not inside of the city. So that's how you know that the Tchum is considered outside, even though the Ibor from the Pasuk by Yoshua, we see, must be considered inside of the city. Then the last halach in the Mishnah. But there's no Iser on the person who took the neder to go from the Agaf and outside of the, the house. So Masa Rav Mari, Rav Mari asks from the following Brisa that talks about Sara'as of Batim, Sara'as of houses, where the Brisa of Darshan is a Pasuk. Pasuk says, Vyotza Koyim in Abayis. Pasuk says the Kohen goes out of the house, and the Pasuk actually continues. 
continues, Al Pesach Abayis, to the doorway of the house, Vihiskir Sabayis Shavas and he closes off the house for seven days. So the Gemara, the, the Bryce rather is Medayik in the Pasuk, that if it just would have said that Vyatsa Kohen Min Abayis, Yachalai would have thought that once the Kohen sees the Nega, Yelech so he can go back all the way back to his own house, the Yaskir, and close the door of this house. From there, either by attaching a string and yanking it all the way from his house, uh, by attach a string to the doorknob of the house of Asaras and yank it from far away, or by having a shliach close the door of the house or something like that, I might have thought that the coin could close the door from back home, Tamalomer. That's why the Pasuk says, El Pesach Abayis, that he goes El Pesach Abayis to tell me that he, has to, that he should do right away. He should be so good at the door right away as soon as he gets to the Pesach Abayis. El Pesach Abayis, but if the only would have said El Pesach Abayis, Yachal. I might think he could stand underneath the airspace of the doorway itself, underneath the lintel of the house, and close the door, and he doesn't have to leave beyond the lintel of the house. That's why the Pasuk says, Min habayis, that he has to leave the house entirely, that he's not allowed to stand under the mashkof of the house when he closes up the door. So where should he stand? He should stand outside of the mashkof, meaning just just past the mashkov of the house, outside the yaskir, and close it off then. Ominayin she'im halach lebeisov v'hiskir o she'amatach sashkov v'hiskir sheskeru muskar. How do I know that if he doesn't do it correctly, he goes all the way home and closes it, or he stands under the mashkov and he closes it from there, that it still counts? Tavolomar, because the pasuk says v'hiskir sabayis. That sounds mikal makom. However, he closes the house; it's perfectly good. But from the fact that the Torah requires the kohen to go beyond the Mashkov, you see that that portion of under the Mashkov is considered to be part of the house. But from our Mishnah, it sounds not that way. We said someone who takes another from a bias is allowed to go under the Mashkov. From, from the Agaf even the part that is, is permissible, even, even though it's partially under the Mashkov. Well, it sounds like the Mashkov is considered outside of the house. Answers the Gemara shiny Gabe bias when we darshan the Brysa that he goes outside of the Mashkov, that's because there's a special Lashon in the Pasuk. Had it just said, yeah, then it would have been good enough to be under the mashkov. But by the bayis hamenuga to chesiv, the pasuk says min habayis. It's extra words in the pasuk that say that he has to go min habayis. So we see from there ad sheyetsay min habayis kulo that he has to go further out than what would normally be defined as a bias. He has to leave the house entirely. Okay, but Hashem, tomorrow we'll pick up nun zayin amalaf at the mishnah.